Welcome to Life on My Terms, a podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and take charge of your life. In the podcast, I sit down with experts in health and wellness, all the way to relationship, career, and life advice. My goal for each episode is to empower you to be your best self, become 1% better every day, and achieve everything you want in this thing called life. You can do this. Now it's time to believe in yourself and build your life on your terms. Let's go. Hello, all you beautiful people, and welcome back to Life on My Terms podcast. I hope everyone is doing so fantastic today. Um, You know, I am really excited about this episode today because we are going to look at how we can raise our energy, sidestep our self-doubts, and align with your life's work, no matter what that is. And I have the pleasure today of chatting with um, award-winning author and keynote speaker, JJ Geronimo, who helps women raise their frequencies and empower their future impact through tried and tested strategies, mindfulness, and energetic practices. Formerly a leading woman in the tech industry, I always think that's so cool, by the way, she now passionately strives to help women gain more seats at more tables by sharing the key findings that have helped her and countless others illuminate a path forward. She's been featured in publications such as Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and Thrive Global. She's regularly an invited speaker for events and conferences, and We're going to be focusing today on her newest book, which is called Seeking. And the book is actually um, about sort of chasing standards that are imposed on you by others. Um, If you're drowning in your to-do list, right, that depletes your energy and maybe even impact your day-to-day or your, you know, your own confidence levels. Um, This is a a fantastic book. So the conversation is going to be centered around that book. I am so excited to to have you hear the conversation with JJ. So as we always do, let's dive in. Hi, JJ. How is it going today? Hi, it's so great to be here with you, Amy. Yeah, welcome to Life on My Terms. I always love to start by having um, the guests just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Oh, Amy, thank you. Well, I have to say I'm a woman on a journey. I would say that I started off in the tech industry with such high aspirations to get to the CIO level. And then I had all these yeses in my life, which I really didn't know the impact they would have for years to come. And I realized how difficult it is for women in all aspects, whether you choose to stay home or you choose to work or you choose to be on a board or you choose to start something from scratch. There's a lot behind the scenes that has to happen for you to have the time to make it so. Gosh, you are correct. And I I am so excited for this conversation. Um, I think before we jump in even deeper, I'd love to just talk about your book, um, Seeking, because um, it's always so interesting to me how folks begin to write their book. So what's the why behind writing this book? 
So the why behind writing this particular book, so I have three books, and the reason I've written all the books, in fact, my first book was really just a list of stories for my daughter, because I felt like it was so hard to have it all, and everyone's acted like it was so easy, you can just hit on all cylinders, you can have kids, and you can be an executive, and you can travel, and you can have this big life, and the reality is, that is really hard. And most women don't even want to do it when they're in it. So I would say that all of my books have been the best practices that I have not only gathered, but have tested. And as a three, five human design, I have a trial and error person. So I didn't really ever think I was going to write books. I'm dyslexic. It's very hard sentence structure, but sometimes the universe has another plan. Yep. And this book in particular is I would say it's the most intimate book, the most authentic book I've ever written because I've had to really talk about things that held me back. And I realized when speaking with so many women that self-doubt is so huge, but it's not just self-doubt. It's like, where does the story stem from? And I've had to go way back and dig through the stories and the relationships and um, just the experiences. And the book is really a tool for anyone to do that in their own life, to really sidestep that self-doubt and make those whispers or whatever is calling you in life, give you a pathway to start exploring what that may blossom into. Uh, I think that's beautiful. I um, I don't recall in my life experiencing as much self-doubt as when I recently just went through my big episode of like major burnout syndrome. And I realized mm. at that point, like I couldn't even make a small decision. I did not trust myself. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so now that it's funny, you mentioned that you've kind of had to go back um, since healing and since writing my book, I find myself kind of going way back to really like really look at the types of behaviors or types of situations that I was put in, even as a young kid to like build this mm-hmm. type of working, you know, that led me to this, this rock bottom that I hit. And so I just think it's fascinating the process sometimes that we go through either writing the book or shortly after writing the book. So it's just a fascinating process altogether. And it's hard because it's hard to write a book that. Well, first, if you have a book in you, let me just say this, like start writing now, even if you're walking and speaking into your phone, some of my chapters are just that where I'm walking my dog and I'm trying to figure out how to create that conversion. Like, how do you take the story and create, help other people, like figure out how to work through their own hurdle that may be similar. So I think just writing down or dictating into your phone is a great way to start writing a book. Or if you have a bunch of blogs that you've written, or even a bunch of podcasts, you can convert those with AI tools. But we need more women's voices out there. So if you are someone that's called to share more of what you're doing and learning, like a book or a podcast, or you know, just getting out and speaking to small groups in your community, we need more women out there sharing their experiences so that we all recognize that we're more alike than we're different. I agree. Gosh, what a great statement. 
Oh man, we do need more women out there. So I, um, I just finished really reading your book, the, the seek. I want to focus today on seeking your most current book. I believe. Yeah. This is a most yeah. current. Okay, great. It was an amazing book. It's interactive. I loved it, but I do want to sort of zoom into some parts. Cause I I'm so excited to have you here and we get to hear it, you know, firsthand. I'm definitely going to have the book uh, linked up in the show notes, but one of the most fascinating parts to me was actually part one where you were, you, you mentioned stepping into the whispers and I would just love for you to talk more about kind of what this means and how listeners can start to embrace stepping into their whispers. I love that. I love hearing what resonates. So that's so exciting. But whispers are things that kind of came, I mean, they probably showed up in all aspects of my life, but I, there were a few particular times that I heard them. And I will be quite honest to say that when they come to me, the first thought I have is, you have the wrong person. <laughs> that is not going to be me. So in 2006, I was asked to bring the women together. And I didn't really know what that meant. And it wasn't until 2008 that I started my women's group for technology. So Tech Savvy Women, I started in 2008. And I tried for two years not to lean into that whisper. I tried to go to book clubs. I tried to go to other people's groups. But it just kept resonating and resonating. And when I did finally just pick a date and invite some women it's, things started to happen on their own. And I feel like that's happened a couple times in my life. One time I was on stage in Seattle in 2016, and I felt like I was speaking to all these women, but they were like sitting outside their body. And I got a whisper as I was leaving the stage, bring the women together outside. Wow. And I was like, bring the women together outside. Like what I'm supposed to take them outside from here. We're in a conference room, <laughs> but that, you know, so sometimes they come to you and you don't really know what they mean. Fast forward in 2008, I had my first women in business retreat um, by Lake Erie, and we did all these activities outside with business women, and it was amazing. But sometimes the whispers don't make a lot of sense when they come to you, but it's like they keep kind of giving you little clues of what you may want to lean into. And don't be afraid if the first time you hear it, you're like, ah, that's not me. That's amazing. So I guess in that same vein, um, as I was like sort of reading in this this part of the the book, um, I highlighted another section because I hear this a lot when I'm trying to help folks through their burnout or that that feeling that they um, that they might be overcommitting themselves. And so I really wanted to understand your thought on how folks can find balance between putting themselves first and still being there for other people. So like, I know if, even if you're hearing like, uh, you, you have that feeling inside that's like, oh, I, I really feeling neglected. I'm, you know, I'm not able to put myself first, but I also feel guilty. I want to be there for others. Like to you, well, like, what's your advice on the balance? Mm. Yeah. Balance is hard. I always tell people from stage, like if you have figured out balance, please come up to me afterwards <laughs> because, you know, it's kind of a situation by situation. But what I don't do anymore is I don't say yes when my whole body is saying no. Yes. So if that's where you can start, that's a great place to start. And that could be just making pasta salad for the family picnic. Like if there are things you do not want to do, but then you say yes, like you really need to honor your soul and yourself in a way that gives you space to lean into what is calling you. And if you continue to say yes to things, you know, you should say no, you're robbing yourself. Yes, you 
Definitely. Um, it's so funny that you say that because I remember uh, last year, I would like always say yes, just because I felt guilty. And then it starts to creep up like the day of the commitment starting to creep up and you just start to get all this anxiety and angst and you're feeling just almost ill. And I found myself like, okay, having all these ex escape fantasies, like, how am I going to get out of this? What, what story can I tell? Right. Cause I can't just be like, sorry, I overcommitted myself and I really shouldn't be doing this anyway. Um, it's just so interesting how we feel that way, but we, it's like this feeling of like, oh, well, they're going to be disappointed in me or whatnot that we continue to say yes all the time. Um, but I remember that all too well, that feeling of just being like, this is not the right choice. Yes. And honestly, like for women, we're taught at such an early age to do and be and show up and help, which, you know, sometimes makes our parents very proud. Sometimes we get a lot of accolades because, oh my gosh, look at what she's doing. Oh, this is so great. And we condition ourselves by that feedback. But at some point for a woman, you really do need to shift into some questioning for yourself. Like, is this the right thing for me to do right now? How does it make me feel? Does it align to where I am or where I want to go? And how much time is it going to take? Because we give our yeses away so quickly, whether it's five minutes or five hours or 15 hours. And for many of us, giving ourselves permission to just think about what's being asked of us, especially if it's more than four hours, think about what is being asked of me. Is this the best use of my time at this moment? Does it give me the right energy? And is it something I want to contribute to right now? And whatever those answers are for you, let it be so. And, you know, I never really come out and say, oh no, I cannot do that. I often say, thank you so much. Awesome opportunity. Don't have the time right now, or I've already committed to things recently that aren't going to give me the time to commit to this. But here's two people that might be interested in such a, you know, in the ask or may be able to help you. Yeah, that's great, great advice. Um, it, it's interesting, though. I think this moves nicely into self-worth. I have a lot of listeners that send messages, messages to me all the time, like, you know, how can I redefine or reapproach or reframe self-worth self for, for myself? And so, and so I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about redefining self-worth and why do we find ourselves defining self-worth with um, external metrics? Huh, that's a great question. It's because that's what we're taught. We're taught, if you think about how our moms were taught, their moms were taught, you know, we are really much, um, I want to say a supplemental energy in a lot of ways to keep everything moving. And sometimes it's the grime and the grit that actually gets things moving along. And I think for us, you know, as we're shifting and the energy of the feminine energy is shifting on the planet, we can not only do ourselves a favor, but a favor to the girls and women behind us, because frankly, you know, we need to kind of stand up for ourselves so they can see how to do it. That's, that's great. Yes, that is. I believe that too. It's actually one of the things that I always tell when I'm working with a executive mom or something who's burned out. I'm always like, you taking time for yourself is showing your kids that that's okay to do, that it's okay to rest. And like, so we're leading by example. So I think that that's a beautiful um, point to bring up. How would you like, what tips do you have if you were to right now, like give a couple tips on how folks can approach 
redefining their self-worth? Like what should they be thinking about if they are like putting all their self-worth in their job or, or something that's external? Well, I'll say, you know, I struggled with this too. You know, in 2014, I left my tech career out of Silicon Valley and I didn't realize how much of my self-worth was aligned to my title, the projects I worked on, the accolades I received, the money I received. And when I decided to leave corporate America to do more of this work with women, it wasn't initially, but within six months to eight months, I started to realize that I sort of removed a lot of things that fueled me. And it wasn't that I loved all aspects of my work. I loved a lot of it, but a lot of things that really filled me up, I kind of put to the side and started working on other things without really filling up on other, like creating other fuel stations for myself. So, you know, I wrote a lot about this in Seeking and on chapter 29, self-worth anchored in external metrics is really where I talk about this. And one of the questions I have in that chapter is what stories have you carried with you for years that define your self-worth now? And then when you think about it, have you lost a job or relationship that made you reflect on how that defines you as a person, right? And what do you do to stop the stories in your head from defining your self-worth, joy, or impact? And I think for many of us, we need to self-assess what we're saying to ourselves on a regular basis, how we define ourselves, what do we tell people that we do, and how does that make us feel? And I think for many of us, it's a hard, it's hard to break those cycles of external metrics defining our self-worth, but I will tell you that it is a carrot that keeps moving. Yeah. That's, that's funny. You know, I was uh, recently thinking about this um, a lot. I was trying to create my Instagram bio and I just felt myself like not being okay with like the label. Like you only have so many characters, right? You have 150 characters, but also it's just like, how, like, who do I think I am and how do I want it portrayed on that Instagram bio? And it's just, it's such an interesting exercise of like, labels and how we truly define worth to certain labels. Like, do I put that I've been on all these news stations or do I just put kind of like what I really enjoy, like what brings me joy as a human being, right? The hobbies, the topics. And so I, uh, I find this whole, I find this really interesting when we think of the labels that we give ourselves. You know, I don't know if you thought about it. It's true. And I've changed my LinkedIn and my Instagram summary at least 10 times, at least 10 times because at LinkedIn, probably a hundred times, but it's just really interesting because, you know, you have a business Mm -hmm. and then you have yourself and it's like, why are people finding you? How are they finding you? Because you still want to contribute to the world and be sure the people that need your help can find you. So how do you do that? It's like a little dance. It is. It's, it's wild. It's, I know it is literally the balance. It's like, this is what I do and this is who I am, but it's, you know, you're limited on space. And so it's like, what are you, what words do you choose? Choose them wisely. So anyway, that just made me think of that, that project I have been trying to do. Um, But I also want to talk to you about purpose. Um, I've been on a lot of podcasts recently and I've had a lot of guests that are kind of like um, very, this is like a topic that comes up a lot. People are like, "I, I don't feel like I am fulfilling my purpose or tapping into my purpose. Um, And I feel like this is a super hard question that people struggle to answer. And so um, 
if they are not sure what their purpose is or how to begin finding it, but they know deep down that something is missing, you know, what do you suggest folks do to sort of tap into purpose? Mm, that's such a great question. Well, I'll first say that there's not just one thing. There's not one thing. There's a million little things that happen throughout your lifetime that create who you are and the impact you're going to have on the world. And most of it starts with it. So I will tell you that if you are feeling lost in your journey, the first thing I would say is to, there's a few things. I'm not sure what, this is not in any particular order, I'll say. But the first thing that I think would be very helpful is to understand your fuel stations. What are things that fill you up? And it could be as simple as finishing a hot cup of coffee. It could be doing charity work. It could be doing something with your family. You know, it could be doing something like yoga on the beach, or maybe you like to travel to certain places on the weekends to find antiques, whatever that is for you. Understanding what in your schedule fills you up. Because what I have found is that oftentimes what pulls you towards it, what's calling you, what's pulling you has something to do with where you can shine your light or shine your energy. So that's the first thing is just sort of investigate your life in a sense of being inquisitive and curious. What do I like to do that's in my schedule? If you sit down with your calendar, just look and color code it. I love these things. I'm not crazy about these things, you know, and create a little chart for yourself. The second thing is have gratitude for where you are. Gratitude is sort of a conversation with the universe that you are grateful for what has already happened and are ready to sort of branch into new things. But you really don't often get new things until you sort of learn the lesson in which you're in right now. So having gratitude for where you are right now. And if that is, I have somewhere to have a hot shower, or I have had one meal today, or I've had great friendships, whatever it is for you, I have a whole section on how important gratitude is. And I've learned this from many people. And I'll tell you, when you start to create lists every day of things you're grateful for, you look for things you're grateful for. So it shifts your mindset to things that inspire and empower you. And so understanding what you're running towards, what you're appreciative for, and really how you are living within. So what kind of conversations are you having with yourself? Are you beating the crap out of yourself every day? Are you questioning what's possible? Are you saying things that I've said in the past, like you've picked the wrong person? <laughs> or are you saying, you know, let me see what I can do. Let me check this out. Putting yourself in sort of an energy that you are exploring the life you're living because there are messages all around you, but oftentimes we're not in the present moment and not like being inquisitive or curious about kind of how we're moving through life. We're so busy focusing on the past or planning for the future that we miss the signs that come to us. Great. Those are, that is a good amount of information that I hope everybody soaked in for sure when, when they are in listening to this section. Um, I can't attest to gratitude enough. It is so amazing how it can flip the switch, um, whether it's negative energy, whether you have a negative thought, whether you're approaching an anxiety cycle, like it is amazing if you can tap into gratitude, just how powerful it is. And um, I always am just like, trust me and try it, you know? 
personal. Um, so I'm so glad you brought that that up because, you know, we truly do have to be so grateful for where we are. Um, I'll never forget the folks that are having a really hard time, like right now in the hiring process, like it's super hard to get a job right now. Um, and I think it's, it's even an interesting exercise to just be grateful for the period of time you're in. Like this might be the slowest time you've ever had where your stress levels are low and you're able to like do some things that you put off, you know, just finding that gratitude can really just change your mindset. Um, so I'm so glad you brought that up. And even, yeah. And even cleaning your space up. Sometimes um, we need to create space in our personal life to create momentum in our professional life. Yeah. That, that's, that's a great tip. Awesome. Um, you mentioned it, it just a couple of minutes ago, but one of my favorite chapters of your book and one of my favorite topics, period, is um, energy. And you mentioned learning to recognize the energy around you. And so I'm curious if you can expand on kind of like what you're, what you're thinking in this, like how can folks recognize the energy around us and like tap into it? Oh, that's such a good one. You know, I didn't really realize how impactful or how energy is part of everything we do. And it's so interesting because it was sort of an awakening for me when I recognized that those voices in we in our head is only a part of who we are. I had to really dive deep into a mindfulness practice, which to be honest, I went kicking and screaming. I ended up in a therapist in this and she was like, I was like, I have no joy. I just, I don't feel like I'm grounded, you know, all of these things. And she was like, you need to go to a mindfulness class. And I was like, I'm serious right now. Like I'm having like a life sort of moment. And I don't know what this mindfulness, but this sounds ridiculous to me that that's what you're going to suggest I do. But honestly, it was like a guide in my life. We get these guides in our life that kind of push us in one direction or the other. Mm -hmm. And that therapist at the time was like, one of my guides because mindfulness has been a game changer for me. Not because it's so woo woo and everyone's like, oh, you should just do it. But it has given me space to recognize that the conversation that I was leaning on so heavily for so much of my life that was based in fear and self-doubt and even perfectionism was not my only option. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness gave me the ability to realize that those thoughts are just part of who I am, that I have light within that has a much more loving, accepting, and alignment energy, and that I got to choose whether I wanted to go with that ego energy, which is here to protect us and really does a good job in a lot of situations, but often can scare the crap out of us and even keep us in a holding pattern. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes, you know, if we want to move in a direction we've never been or try something that's calling us, our ego will say, not now. Who do you think you are? You know, this is never going to work. You're going to lose all your money. You know, it's like a constant conversation that unless you have tools to sort of sidestep that or give that space, it could really keep you, you know, in a standstill for much longer than you need to. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful, um, a beautiful example of like what's at stake for us for sure. Um, what about like negative energy? Um, how, how do you recommend folks sort of stay more self-aware of energy, especially like I like to call some folks energy vampires, right? The folks that like deplete your energy, but give you nothing back. And so what are some of your tips on how folks can be more self-aware of the energy that's surrounding them and sort of what to maybe lean a little bit more into and what to back away from? 
Yeah. Oh, there's so much I can talk about this because energy, really, we are energy. That's what we are in our, how, what we exchange is energy. So even though we're having a conversation, we're exchanging energy. And some of us don't realize that we're practicing polluters uh-huh. and we could be, you know, Oftentimes how we talk to ourselves is sometimes how we talk to others. So if we're beating the crap out of ourselves, sometimes we beat the crap out of other people. Even if we don't say it out loud, you know, if someone walks in the room, we're criticizing, we're analyzing, we're evaluating. And I think the first thing you can do is really say like, how, what kind of energy do I have inside my body? Am I positive? Am I have gratitude? Am I enjoying the life I created? Or am I like swimming in a mud puddle and everybody around me is just nagging and complaining and, you know, just that has that energy that's just so heavy because I was there and I know this all too well. Back in like 2009, 10, I was in the wrong job. I had super young kids. I was traveling all the time. I didn't have the help I needed. And I really just was a practicing polluter. I was so down, but I had to like, do an inventory of myself and really kind of manage and monitor the energy I had in my body. So every, every couple hours I would just look, okay, am I positive? Am I negative? What have I said to people that might have helped them or hurt them? I really had to assess. And I realized that I had to shift the energy within first. So the energy within it's every time I wanted to say something negative to myself or about other people, whether I said it out loud or not, I had to mute the negative, like just stop myself in the tracks and find something positive to say or pay attention to or be grateful for. That energy shift inside will shift your energy outside. And so the people around me kind of fell away, like just kind of moved into other groups. I actually ended up getting another job. I got around more positive people. But I guarantee you, it all started within. You attract the energy you're at. And I talk a ton about frequency in this book. And frequency is sort of the energy you vibrate at the energy you exchange and you could be in an 89.7 a 92.4 a 96.7 a 102.7 just like a radio station fm radio stands for frequency modulation and so you get to decide what frequency you're at and i guarantee you as you work to raise your frequency you will have a more like engaging and probably exciting experience because higher frequencies have a lot going on. You know, the fact that Amy and I even connected here is amazing. We have similar frequencies. We're out doing similar work. I would have never connected with Amy a decade ago. I promise you, I had to really focus on raising my energy and making sure that, that I have gratitude and appreciation and alignment to the right activities to get me where I am right now. Gosh, that is, this is probably my favorite part of the conversation. What um, excellent information, but also I feel the same way. Like the creating of my, of this podcast was just like the start for me when I was, I'm being surrounded by so many people with such great energy. And so um, it just, it, it literally changes my day. Um, we, we forget how much our energy can impact another person. And so um, that is just incredible um, information that you just shared. Um, I also want to tap into confidence. Um, we talked about it a little bit before, um, you know, and I know that confidence is just one of those 
you know, those things I, again, you hear a lot, like I'm not, I'm not confident. I'm feeling like I've been stripped of my confidence. And so I would love for you to tell us about your own experience with your confidence. I think in your book, you called it like walking out, you're walking out the back door. Um, but talk to us a little bit about maybe like a, a low and how you sort of rebuilt your own confidence back up. Mm. Well, I will say, I remember watching Oprah like back in 1989, 1990, and the gentleman that wrote, um, women are from Mars or men are from <laughs> yes. Venus. Do you remember that gentleman? Yes. Gray, right. Was his name gray? He was yes. on stage with all these cylinders and he was talking about confidence and I'm like how you could have a ton of confidence in one area, but then another area that you've never done before could be very low. And the cylinder had like this red tube that would come up and down. And I just stuck with me for years that like your confidence often is based on your experience, how much, you know, how much you've worked at something, what type of accolades you've gotten, you know, how much education or ex ex expertise you have in a particular area. And our confidence can go up and down throughout an entire day. And I talk a lot about in the book, especially in this chapter, your confidence, my confidence walked out the back door about getting ready, getting up to speak. I do a lot of speaking and the woman before me was amazing, amazing. And I had all my, I mean, I had been practicing for weeks what I was going to talk about. I was ready to go. But as she was getting her standing ovation, my confidence literally like got up and walked out the back door. And I tried to rework my speech on the fly minutes before I got on stage because I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my message. And I was so impressed by her that I wanted to be like her. And I talk about this entire experience in the chapter and, you know, at the end and with reflection, I realized that not only did I, you know, kind of scapegoat myself, right? I stepped out on myself. I stepped out on everyone else that could have benefited from the message I was going to share, which was not the message I shared. I don't even know what I said on stage. Um, and people were very kind, but I will tell you that it was a very pivotal moment for me on really picking and choosing myself, regardless of who's ahead of me or who's behind me. And one of my favorite authors, uh, Rebecca Campbell, often says, you know, you, not to put people on a pedestal because they have to fall for you to go up and that we all have our gifts. We all have our gifts and believing in our gifts and what we have to share with the world is one of our biggest life lessons. Yes. Um, it makes me think about how I feel like folks often leave their authentic self somewhere at a restaurant as they're driving through their on their life car. You know, they leave it like 16 years old or so. You start to conform to other people's ideas and values and you start to like let your authentic self go off to the side. And that is such a perfect example of like you not showing up as like who you were with your message. And um, I think that's a good reminder that like we we are here to share who we are and our experiences. And there's somebody out there that's waiting for our message. Um, so that's an incredible story um, that you, you know, and ironically that happened to me too. Uh, I actually was behind a, a, a girl that actually was so captivating that I almost forgot my entire speech. I had like listened to this, to this speech and was so taken aback just by her story that by the time it was my turn to go on, I mean, I had to like, 
I had to unfluster myself and remind myself, like, what was I even going up there to talk about? So I actually make it a vow now to not even listen to the person in front of me just because I feel like it's so distracting. <laughs> but, yes. um, but that is an incredible story. I think, um, I think you hit it on the head when you said, you know, we are all here we have certain gifts and we also have a whole bunch of stuff we're not good at. And that's okay because there's other people that are, that we can sort of like tap into use our strengths with their strengths to make like a greater community. So I think that that's um, a really good point. Um, one other thought I have for you though, actually on this topic before we um, begin to wrap up is how do you uh, feel like, um, confidence can relate to those folks that feel like they have imposter syndrome? Well, imposter syndrome is a belief that you don't belong where you're at and that you've prematurely gotten to a particular point. So it's actually pretty much the opposite of confidence (laughs) in a lot of ways. So I would say that there are no accidents. Like you are where you're at. And if you're tapped on the shoulder to be at a table, like embrace it. If you can't embrace it for yourself, embrace it for the women behind you because you don't want to decline the opportunity because then they might put a man or someone else in there that maybe isn't even quite as qualified as you. So if you get the opportunity, take it, take it and just lean into it at the pace that makes sense for you. There's so many times that Well, and I'll talk a little bit about self-efficacy quickly. So self-efficacy is having a vision for where you want to go and believing you can achieve it. The beauty of self-efficacy is it's learned and it's only learned when you step into opportunities before you're ready. So the fact that you started the call saying, you know, I don't have a lot of challenges with confidence and I don't have a lot of self-doubt. A lot of times it's because you've been striving and stretching well before you were ready from a very early age. And when you do that, you be- you build up your self-efficacy bucket to believe that you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. So it's really beneficial to take opportunities at 60 and 70% to build your self-efficacy. And I have a, a whole chapter. It's the longest chapter in the book is breaking away from perfectionism. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you, it's been a journey. And I think for many people, we, we including myself, have lived in the perfectionism bucket and labeling for a long time. But really, you know, there's a lot to it. But let me just summarize one of the points is that perfectionism is just a shield. It's a protective mechanism for people to figure for so people don't figure out that you feel so ill prepared or that you don't have the strength or confidence you exude. Yeah. Um, I feel like I actually created my Instagram handle as Project Amy for a reason, because I actually really embrace the fact that we're kind of just like all sort of optimizing and we're lifelong learners. And so we're able to like try stuff. And if it doesn't go like uh, that, well, we can either choose to like, you know, enhance the skills, try again, or maybe pivot. So I think a lot of times this is such an opportunity for us to like take this, take this approach of like, we're constantly in testing and experimenting, you know, what, what, what works, what doesn't. And, and so of course you should take those opportunities. I'm so, I'm so glad you talked. That was a beautiful way to talk about imposter syndrome. I know that's out there a lot and a lot of people are struggling with it. So thank you for those tips. Well, I would just say, I just think the idea of you saying Project Amy is such an inspiration because, and we should all think of ourselves as like 
a work in progress because it helps us eliminate the need to be perfect. It helps us eliminate the need to have it all figured out and gives us permission to be sloppy at times, to fall down and get back up. And honestly, we need to see that in more women that have such a platform because it makes it so real. It does. It really does. Um, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, that's one of the things that I, um, I always make sure is like, even, even with, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of times where family members will be like, oh gosh, you know, you should take this video and make it super professional and blah, blah, blah. But you know what, at the end of the day, like I like to just pop my phone up and have really organic videos with my hair in a bun. Like I, I think, we just, we have to be a little bit more, um, organic and true. And a lot of times the, the problem with social media too, right. Is that we're seeing these like instant moments of success and we yeah, don't see, we don't see it of what's of happened what's to happened. get there or the fails or the obstacles or any of the things that we've done to like get to that one moment that's posted. And so mm -hmm. I, I think that platforms like this, like podcasts and uh, those impromptu videos where we're just struggling to like pop it up there and be like, hey, I was struggling with anxiety. I decided to sit down and journal it out. And here's a couple of the things that I learned is like so much more helpful, um, you know, than those like just showing those moments of success. I love that. I love that. And it just, it's just so powerful for women. I just think it's so powerful. And I feel like the world is shifting and we as women need to step into what is calling us well before we're ready, because we need more women at more tables. Like that is the reality. Everything is very much sideways. And without us at tables, we're going to have such limited voice and input. So even if you're 40% or 50%, or you don't even feel like you're close to that, if you get invited or have an opportunity, my request for you is that you lean in. Because now just do it for yourself, do it for everybody behind you. And think of the women that leaned in before us to give us the opportunities we have today. They didn't know what they were doing and they had severe consequences. Like us now, it's just a little tap on our confidence level, or maybe we get a post or a, a negative decline or a negative response. But really, I think of what we're doing for the whole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, we got to show up. Great. Well, before we wrap up, um, talk to me about seasons. This is one of my favorite topics. Mm. Um, I think a lot of growth work, right? It involves that shift in our mindset, especially how we view adversity and challenge. And so talk to us about how folks can use their various seasons to continue to transform, grow, and evolve. Mm. Well, I've learned this from many spiritual teachers, and I will tell you that spirituality and energy practices are really what has gotten me through the last six years of my really, I feel like the biggest growth shift in my own personal and professional life. And I, I really believe that it really comes down to energy and seasons are energy. You know, we have we have the spring where we're planting and we have the summer where we're blooming and we have the fall where we're letting go and we have the winter where we're hibernating and that we too have seasons in our life and we can't always be in the blooming phase. We just can't. It burns us out as you talk about so much and so eloquently with so many people that we have to give our space to have some downtime and to have a hibernation and then have a rebirth. Because if the leaves do not fall, there is no room for new bloom. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that was beautiful. Mm. And your I your work I, is beautiful. Yeah, your work yeah. is beautiful. And hitting it head on for people is so helpful because you feel oftentimes so alone. So having people like yourself that can help people realize like, what can I hold on to? What to get rid of? What to lean into? What to back away from is so powerful. Yes, that's um, such a good reminder. It's such a great way of thinking about it too. Literally the purpose of the seasons. And I think that 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 was such a great, it was an eye opener for me. So thank you so much for that. Mm. Um, So we're going to wrap up with my two questions that I ask every single guest because I think that they're very powerful. Um, And so we will start with what is one thing that you used to value that you no longer value today? Mm. Empty friendships. Ooh, that's a first. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, there was like a lot of people I had in my life that made me feel like busy and invited and connected. And I would say the more energy work, the more gratitude, the more focus I have on really working from the inside out, I am much more interested in quality and quality connections. Love it. Love it. I feel the exact same way. um, And I really appreciate that was such a good answer. Um, Mm. Last one is what advice would you give the younger JJ? Hmm. To enjoy the journey that every step, every step is a critical step. And that knowing that it's part of a bigger whole would have made my life probably more enjoyable. I feel like I spent a lot of my life trying to get there, which I'm still not even sure where there is yet. But um, I just, I didn't realize that it is, it is a tapestry, as Carol King would say. It's a tapestry and that every thread And every corner is needed for your life's work. Oh, I love it. I love the journey. It's so fun. It's actually the most memorable part anyway. So um, fabulous, fabulous. Where can listeners stay connected with you? Mm, Thank you, Amy. They can find me on most platforms under JJD Geronimo, or they can search for the book. You can search with the word seeking and the number 74 because it comes with 74 key findings to raise your energy sidestep your self-doubt and align with your life's work. Yes. And we will have everything linked up in the show notes. JJ, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, You are just such a beautiful spirit and I appreciate all of your wisdom and um, beautiful insights. Oh, I'm so glad my frequency brought me to you, Amy. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. What a wonderful episode today. There's this one part of the episode that I just can't shake. And it's when JJ talks about if every single fiber in your being is telling you, you don't want to do it, you have to say no. And she said it can even be as easy as making the macaroni salad for the family picnic. Um, I think as women in particular, we struggle so much with that feeling of guilt in um, actually saying no and sticking up for ourselves and what we feel is right. And so I know that I needed that reminder and I hope you all um, could definitely take a few tidbits away from JJ. All of her um, links will be in the show notes 
her book as well. And if you need to connect with me, you know where to do that on Instagram at Project Amy or Life on My Terms podcast. You can also email me at info at personalbestcoaching.net. And as always, it is your life. Live it on your terms. I will catch you next time.